You're listening to DraftKings Network. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. Welcome back to Journeyman, brought to you by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Meadowlark Media. I'm Andrew Hawkins, seven-year NFL veteran, one-time Oscar winner, and three-time dad. Joined by my guy, legendary basketball insider, analyst, journalist, and star of basketball Illuminati, Amin El Hassan. Today we're going to talk the Lakers getting swept, LeBron's potential retirement, and the future of the NBA and the NFL. Let's get into it. I mean, my Lakers got swept, dog. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt. I mean, it hurt. It hurt like I was back to being a kid again. I don't know. I felt like I wanted it so bad. I felt like I was behaving all week. I felt like. <laughs> Even down 0-3, I felt like this is oh, a perfect man. setup for the LeBron last dance. Make oh, history. See. <laughs> win the series. And 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 they lost it, man. I, I'm very sad. Man, like you can't think of life like a fairy tale. You can't and <sighs> this is how the most amazing comeback ever starts. Like, Sports, man. That's what <laughs> that's what you hope for. You gotta have that unrealistic uh hope and 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 confidence that what's gonna happen. Is the fairy tale yeah. ending? You know what I'm saying. But then LeBron in the post game teases retirement. I don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't think it's real. I, I, All right, here look, we go, man. Like this might be another bad mean LeBron take. Yeah, are you Are you willing to I'm, go into this? I'm, I'm with it, man. I'm with it. So I, you don't think he's retiring? No, not a chance. Reasons? Give me good reasons why he would not retire. Well, let's start with he said I'm better than 95 percent of the NBA right now. That is also true, though. <laughs> like, he, I'm not. I'm not it's not. A, it's a fact. That's I, not I, a. That's. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like the idea of being in the top five percent. Uh -huh. Right, top five percent of roughly five hundred guys. Right, mm -hmm. that's ten percent of five hundred is fifty. So the top five percent means the top twenty-five in the league. Yeah, dog, that's an all-star. That is like he's not retiring. He's not retiring. But you like, don't think as as someone who has always uh, been a pioneer in what he does and the way he's handled his superstar status and mm -hmm. started him in the NBA, you don't think he could change the trend of all the great basketball players? That we know and love, and say I'm going to go out on top while I'm still the guy. This ain't this ain't on top. That's on top. That ain't on top. Getting swept. Oh, getting he's swept. No man. Nine years no, you old. You can't walk bro. out. You can't walk out like after you got your ass beat. Like if they had lost in six, he dropped lost forty. In, I know, but if they had lost in six or something, like or make it respectable to get swept, and not, you didn't get swept by like the Warriors at their peak or whatever. Like you got swept by like the Denver Nuggets, which. I, like great team and Jokic is an amazing generational talent, but America does not recognize it as such, right? America's so dumb. They went into the series like Lakers going to win. Like that's how dumb America is. So for LeBron to have his legacy ended by something lesser than an absolute cultural phenomenon, 
can't happen. And then the final reason. He done told you you want to play with Bronny, man. How many but that might not be Bronny's plan, though. Man, I, I feel like he wants to play with Bronny. I feel like as a as Bronny in that shadow of LBJ, he's probably like, yo, Pop, man, I don't, that, that ain't that ain't what I want. And I think I've heard LeBron say recently, like, yo, that's his dream. That's not Bronny's dream. And that's dad code. I'm a, I'm a dad and my son. That's code for, you know what? Little man might not exactly want it the way that I want it. And I don't want to put that pressure on him. I'm, I'm going to say this right now. You never had to do something that your dad wanted you to do that you ain't like everyone's like, oh, but that's Bronny's dream. You think his dad cares? Like, man, shut up. Before I get the belt. <laughs> you know? All right. So you don't even want to play the game of if this is LeBron's They're last saying, game. No, nah, this is like I'm going right. to play the game of this is LeBron's playbook. LeBron, hey, 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 LeBron, we about to start talking about something else. A word? I might retire. Like oh, that, that man. to LeBron. Like. He's gonna throw it out there. I, I let think, me talk about him. I think he's really considering it. I think it's genuine. I don't think he's made a decision. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he actually retired. I'll allow for this is probably the first time he's ever thought about. Damn, I don't know how much more of this I want to do. It looked like it hurt, man. But like to me, it was to to me, it felt two things. One, like a little like, hey Lakers, get your shit together. I need help. That, that, and B, it's LeBron of like, oh, y'all ain't going to finna talk about some other. <laughs> like, well, I will so dominate the topic of conversation, like, in this league. The more we talk about LeBron, the more I see why you won't be in the last the yeah. last dance LeBron duck. It's yeah. starting to really, it's starting to come forward. You know who did retire? My guy, Carmelo. Anthony, yeah, man. man. Stay mellow. Stay, stay mellow. Mellow is one of those people who... I felt like people were truly a part of the basketball culture. Yeah. Held in a lot higher regard than maybe some of the, you know, overall basketball audience. It's weird, man, because it's one of those things where Melo was a player that at the beginning of his career early on was probably held too high. Too high. Too high of regard, right? Like people were trying to say, LeBron or Carmel, like, no. It should have been obvious to everybody. Like, no, they're not on the same level. Uh-huh. But he was talked about in that way. And then at some point, the market correction came and then went overly in the, in the opposite direction where it's like, oh, he's a bum. Well, he's not a bum. Just because right. he's not LeBron doesn't mean he's a bum. Like, that's there's an in-between there of greatness that's not quite as great as maybe the greatest. I think, it, I think it was at a time when there was still such a deep affinity for college basketball. And we got to see Carmelo go to Syracuse and do what he did there. And to your point, people were like, oh, this is, you go to college and do that. That's better than coming from high school. And you're right. They probably over-indexed on like where he fit on the LeBron meter, which is a unrealistic and no, very ex- unfair exactly. meter to judge anybody that's, on. That's the point, right? The point is, man, you can't, like, you can't say because I'm not LeBron, I'm somehow a failure. Like this dude is the most decorated basketball player in U.S. Olympic Hooper. history. One of the most diverse scorers. So a lot of people don't understand is, well, he shot 44% from the field. But like the number of things that Carmelo Anthony can do scoring-wise on a basketball court is almost unparalleled because he's this weird combination of skilled, face the basket, shoot, step backs, dribbles, whatever, but also physical, mm-hmm. take you on that block, punish you like he's a big man, off the glass, all that stuff. So... There's a lot there where it's like, oh, there's a lot of nuance to his game that people miss if you're just like looking up his stats or whatever. Right, and you're just and, reading off of the sports reference. Right. But what yeah. is uh is 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 he officially first team all no ring? 
Damn, that's a long ass list, man. It's a long list. You get five. And as a matter of fact, let's do it. First team, oh. all no ring. All right. So you got to start with the people that you know are Charles, on there. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley is the for four. For sure. Yeah. He's playing the four. All right. We got Charles Barkley on the four. And I'm I'm a basketball casual. Yeah. So I threw this at you. You didn't right. prepare for yeah. this. And I did. I have a whole list of people. Nice. To make myself sound smart. Okay. All right. So Charles Barkley at the four. I like it. All right. At point guard, I know a lot of people will say Stockton. I'm biased. I'm going to say Steve Nash. Steve Nash over Chris Paul? Yeah. I guess, do we count players who are still playing? Yeah, we have to, because it's not looking good for some guys. No, man, you don't know. You don't know. I'm just saying it's not looking great for Chris Paul right now. He's also 39. So (laughs) Turn on the red light for you, Chris. All right. Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, who else you got? Okay, so this is where it gets tough, right? I want to say at center, I'm going Patrick Ewing. Ewing at center. So right now you got Barkley, Steve Nash, and Ewing. I might cheat. And have terrible spacing and say Carl Malone is my four and Barkley is my three. Oh, I can tell what era of basketball you fell in love. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got Malone. Oh, no, my bad. Barkley. You basically are putting together Elgin, the dream team. El- Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. Yep. So, like, yeah, we got a lopsided roster here. We yep, yep, yep. Okay, so Elgin Baylor, Carl Malone, Steve Nash, Pat Ewing, Charles Barkley. Yeah. So I'm going to go Barkley. Uh-huh. I'm going to put Melo on my all-no ring. Yeah. I'm, I'm not Mello mad at that. Um, AI? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Reggie? I would say Reggie is the least of the names we've said so far. Of yeah. all the names we've mentioned on both teams, Reggie would be the least of them. I, I, I won't argue that. Other players on here that we didn't mention? Right. James Harden. No. Westbrook. Tracy McGrady. That's a good one. Team. Oh, I should. Vince yeah. Carter. Yeah. Um, Grant Hill. Oh, yeah, man. Did George Gervin win a ring? No. And then I'm going to put Sean Kemp on there. Nah, man. We're playing small ball, man. Nah, man. <laughs> Two fours. Sean that's Kemp a, was my favorite player growing a, up, so there's never going to be a list hey, man, of we, no rings where I'm not putting Sean Kemp love, on there. We you can kiss my ass. We all love Sean Kemp. We all love Rain, man. And then he went to Cleveland and he became fat man. Oh, and man. That, I'm just saying, man. It happened. Now, you, now you're out the Sean Kemp last um, dance, dog. I'm, That's look, crazy. Man. That I'm, is crazy. I'm, I'm with you up to like 1997, 98. Then like at the lockout, he came back from that lockout. <laughs> and man, my man didn't see a donut that didn't have his name on it during hey, that man. lockout. Big shouts to the rain, man. We won't let a mean slander. I'm uh, just saying. The Nuggets are going to the championship they are. now, yeah. and, and head coach Mike Malone, he's he a little chatty in the media. He's very upset that the, the Nuggets aren't getting their respect. I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to sour on him. He's starting to annoy no, me a little bit. I'm be honest with you. That's who he is, man. Like, I mean, I feel like you don't got to tell the truth all the time. We get it. Like, they're talking about LeBron. They're talking oh. about Mike. But it's like, we want people to tell the truth. But then when you do it, it's like, ugh. Like, come it's on, not man. Even, Just it's be not, happy. It's not even the truth. And it has nothing to do with us, believe it or not. Because like, I've called him out on this. I said, Coach, like, oh, it was the year when they, they had the best record and he was going to be the coach at the All-Star game. And so I asked him, Coach, you always talk about they counted us out. Like, what are you, who's they? Who are, they, who who, who who are these you, people? Who are you talking about? Like, oh, like we, I'm, I'm on NBA radio multiple times a week. Like, all we talk about is, like, yo, the Nuggets really brought, got their shit together, right? And he's like, he looks at me like, I mean, like, come on, man. Like, I'm, I'm doing a thing here, man. <laughs> like, let, me, let me do my thing, Yeah, man. man. It's like, like it's, it ain't nothing to do with, like, Facts or whatever. It's he does this because this is his way of motivating his team. He, yeah, he he creates this boogeyman of like they don't want us, they don't like us, whatever. Age old. 
And it, like he, that's how he riles up his locker room. Man, I can't believe that still works in 2020. It, it works like a charm. <laughs> it works like a charm. Like dude, people, people want to be like upset and offended. Yeah, everyone. Like whether you're an athlete or you're just a person or a fan or just even a regular person, people want to be offended. Like how dare they? How dare they? Such a powerful emotion. Yeah. It gets shit done, man. Like, go, I'll, I'll show them. All right. Well, they got a championship coming up. We will see if they can get shit done. Boston head coach Joe Mazzulla has gone on record and said he's lost the locker room of the Celtics while in the middle of a series, mind you, which it got me thinking, man. I, I can think of so many times when coaches have lost the locker room and there was like a lot of conversation about it. Like, when does that happen? How do you get it back? You don't get that back, number one. When you lose a locker room, that level is hard to come back from. And when you know that you've lost a locker room to the point where you've said it in the media, there's absolutely no way back. You can't say that out loud, You can't. You don't. Because now it's like, oh, now we all know it, too. You at least want everybody to speculate. There's been times where coaches have lost a locker room on day one. Have you been in a situation like that? I'm going to put it out there. There was a coach who I love. He's a great dude. John DiFilippo was the offensive coordinator. This is the personal not like a personal thing against me or him or whatever. Right. This is the this is the reality of the situation I was in. The year before, I was with Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. Now, 10 years later, we know those are offensive right. geniuses, right? I had my career year with them. Mm-hmm. Like, led the team in receiving. I'm 5'7". Right. Leading an NFL team in receiving. And I was, I was balling the entire year right. until we put Johnny Manziel in there. And Johnny, <laughs> Johnny was a... Uh, Johnny was all the way turned up uh, <laughs> every single day. But it was a great season. So the next year, they leave. They force their way out. John Filippo comes in again. I want to preface this again. He's a great dude. The first meeting we had, I, I just had twins. So I came oh, up early. Shout out to the twins. Shout out to the twins. Two. Shout out to Aubrey and Autumn Hawkins, man. They I have twins also. Oh, shout out to Twin Dad Gang, yeah, man. So I come back to Cleveland to have my meeting with the, the new offensive coordinator. And we're in this meeting. And I don't know if it was like a personality or if it was a tactic. And I was kind of like, yo, it's great to meet you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you on tape. And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I hope so. I led the team in receiving last year. (laughs) Um, You know, and honestly, I came here to be a slot. I didn't come here to be the lead of the team in receiving. But Josh Gordon got suspended, a bunch of people, whatever. And I stepped up into it. I want to be a third receiver because you know why? I mean, you pay me like a third receiver. (laughs) I don't want to do more work than you pay me for. Number one receivers make... 10 to 15 right. to the million dollars. I wasn't making that a year. Yeah. So I wasn't coming in there like, yo, you got to give me the rock. So he's like, yeah, I've seen you on tape. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's great. So what kind of offense are we going to run? Right. He's like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're figuring it out. Like, so we, I want to watch you guys yeah. and really see. And I'm like, well, how do you see my role going? Well, I want to see you on tape. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to promise anything. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Now, meanwhile, if I have a, a backup another year, like I had the year before, I can go renegotiate my contract right. and probably go get another 10 to $15 million. I had another coach, Mark Tressman, that would always tell me, you got to approach football like lives are at stake because they are. <laughs> this Autumn and Aubrey, them twins, right. what happens in their future is predicated on what these stats are, yeah. how you're going to use me. In ro- and again, he was just, I don't know if it was the coach thing of like trying to be noncommittal or act right. like, make sure he knew he was in charge. We had signed Brian Hartline and Dwayne Bowe. Dwayne Bowe didn't go great. Heartline was great. But I left there. Somebody called me and said, what do you think? I said, buckle up. This shit ain't going to be fun. Right. And so, but like, I might be a psychic because that shit went bad. So he lost you in that moment. When did he lose everybody else? 
in that season, it was probably within the first couple of weeks. Dude, I'm telling you, it happens fast. But you, exactly. It and happens fast. Fast. It's it's not like people think it's like a gradual erosion. Like, nah, mm-hmm. man, that shit happens fast. It happens quick. You know right away. It's like love at first sight type of thing. Yeah. It's like you'll lose me at first sight. It's weird, man. Players know when you're full of shit, man. They have like a, a an incredible ability like to sniff it out very quickly. We had a coach, a head coach in Phoenix, Terry Porter, right? And Terry Porter came in. We we had the number one offense in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like every year, year in, year out. This is Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, seven seconds or less. Mike D'Antoni has just left. And so, like, we bring in someone, hey, we need someone to coach us up on the defensive side. So Terry Porter comes in. My buddy was on the on the staff. He comes back from, like, they had the coaches retreat. And I said, oh, so how's the retreat? And he said, we talked offense the whole time. I was like, oh, so, like, you guys are getting up to speed on what we do here? I was like, no. We talked his offense. He came from Detroit, from Flip Saunders. <laughs> And Flip Saunders had, like, a notoriously, yep. like, dense playbook. And it was, like, everything took, like, 18 seconds to develop. And it was a series of screens. And it would end up with, like, a, a mid-range jumper because it was, like, the Rip Hamilton playbook, yep, basically. Yep. So we're, like, well, maybe, like, no, he's just kind of, like, getting y'all familiar, the staff familiar, so that when you do introduce certain things, you guys aren't, like, wait, we've never done this before. Mm-hmm. So we go to training camp. And it's, like. He starts training camp with this shit. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, day one, guys, give him some time. And then by, like, day five, I'll never forget this. The guys were stretching, and Shaq, in the middle of the stretch, just starts singing loud. Remember that T-Pain song? Uh, Which I can one? put you in I the mansion somewhere yeah, in Wisconsin. Somewhere in Wisconsin. Right. He starts singing, no baloney. We miss Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> like, I, dog, we were in training camp. We didn't even get out of camp. And it and, was already. And it was already, and, like, it just got worse and worse. And, and once and, you lose Shaq, I mean, you lose like, everybody yeah, else. Because, because this is and this is one of my favorite things. I know we have this in the NBA. I'm pretty sure y'all have this in the NFL, the concept of the locker room lawyer. Mm. Like, this is the dude that, like, yep. it, it might be, it might use his powers for good. He might use he his might powers use for, for bad. But, like, this dude has the ear of everybody, and if he's not on board with some shit— Wow. It ain't it gonna take a little bit of time before everybody's like, yeah, kinda like I'm not on board there, with this either. There's a absolutely locker room lawyers, man. I might have been a locker room lawyer in yeah. my team. I might have been. <laughs> I, I t- never used my powers for evil. In that situation, yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> no. I was like, okay, this is gonna mess my contract up, but I'll let everybody else come to their own decisions at some point. It just it was a tough season. Manzel, right. coaches end up getting fired, which is typically what happens when right. you when you suck. But there's been coaches like players know, to your point about sniffing out bullshit, is like the rule of thumb is when a coach comes in and they start like coaching and talking about shit that doesn't matter, that's how you know they don't know what they're doing, right? So there's been other times when coaches have come in and are like, yo, tuck your shirt in. A tuck your shirt in, coach? Yeah. There's nothing you can <laughs> Ur- do for me out here. Leave me alone. Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we don't listen. Put your hood up. Take your earrings off. Like, those guys, yeah. come on, man. You don't, This is a professional right. sports league. If you're more- coaching me on tucking my shirt in, there's nothing you could do. That's for my, me. That's my whole thing. These guys don't have mortgages, man. Like you they, can't, you can't be out here. Like, come on, man. Look at tuition. They we got, got bills like, to pay. Yeah, like, like, ain't nobody out here talking about like etiquette and stuff like that. You're very unserious people when you're doing that. Drop the bass. Joe Mazzula also said he watches the movie The Town oh four God. times a week. The same movie. Which I want to know from you. What are the most rewatchable movies? Oh, in oh. your for, for yourself. I mean, easily, easily. Okay, so. 
Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Uh, I wouldn't like, be on my list, but it is a very watchable movie. Uh, like, the, like it is the most rewatchable movie of all time. It's, like, so it's, long. it's not even my favorite movie, but it's, it's rewatchable. It's rewatchable. You can just keep watching it over because it's. What it, else you got? I like Back to the Future. That's a good one. Uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas, a good one. I'm a big Star Wars person, so I, like any uh, of the Star the, Wars all, movies. All Star Wars movies. All Star Wars movies for me are very easy in that way. Okay. Oh, Indiana Jones is another one. Like, Indiana Jones. You can't go I wrong, can tell man. you was one of them kids that just kept it on TBS. <laughs> your, your mom kept TV <laughs> on TBS all day long. I can tell that. Because all the marathons, yeah, man, like, you was locked in. They get the three in a row, yeah, they get you all, all of them at once. Um... Paid in Full. Paid in Full was a good Very one. Very rewatchable Those movie. Those are all good movies. You know, I, you know what I found as I think about it? You know what makes for a great rewatchable movie? If it's a period piece. Period piece, like, yeah. So, so, that yep. way, like, so like, think about all the movies I just I didn't even think about it until I just named them all. Back to the Future, set in yep. the 50s, right? Like mm-hmm. Goodfellas is set in like the 60s and 70s, right? Yeah. My list uh, would probably be something like that, too. Paid in Full, early, you know, in the 80s, right? Like, they're all kind of like, this isn't happening right now. Right, right. I like Life. Which is a period. Period piece. I like yep. Shawshank Redemption. Period, period piece. piece. Yep. Hangover is not a period piece, no. but it's hilarious. Harrod uh, and Kumar. I yeah. probably watched that a million times. Super bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm a comedy guy. There, yeah. So like so all the like old school Talladega yep. Nights, Step Brothers, uh, yep. Walk Hard, like all them for sure. Walk right? Hard, <laughs> underrated. Walk, Walk Hard. hard. Dude. One of the most underrated comedies. Walk Hard and um, Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins with Martin Lawrence. Two of my most underrated comedies, movies. Well, it was Welcome Home, ever. Oscar Jenkins, the one with the funeral, and it, yes, yeah, and he comes home. I and can't like, on that one. As a, as oh, a, you're tripping, I Mike Epps. Go, that I is hilarious, man. I, look, this is the most controversial take in journeyman history. I'm gonna say this right now. Martin Lawrence doesn't do it for me. Man. Oh wow, yeah, okay, we can move on from yeah. that. <laughs> you will, might not even be invited back here. Particularly Martin Lawrence movies that don't have someone else to carry it. Go watch Rock, Welcome Home, Roscoe. Like Jenkins. life, cool because Eddie's carrying it, so like he can do. His... Blue Streak, you don't like Blue Streak? Nah, man. Wow, these are terrible takes, bro. Blue Streak is hilarious, objectively, whether you like them or not. I like life Dave, is hilarious. I like Dave Chappelle and Blue Streak, but like that's about it. Dave uh, Chappelle had like six lines, my dude. That's why I didn't like Blue Streak. That's wild. <laughs> that's wild. All right, next next topic, WNBA. There's been some controversy around the WNBA because they had roster cutdowns at the beginning. They yeah. cut, like, names we know, recent lottery picks. Yep. Should the WNBA expand? And if not, what is, like, the next evolution of the league? Like, how do they take it? What? How does this league go to the next step? Because every league continues to right. evolve, right? Like, what is the WNBA's next thing? So this, all right, now this is, I'm going to put on my David Sampson, like, cruel businessman hat, right? Oh, shoot. Yeah. This is... I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say this like All this: right. like a big push has been, we want higher salaries in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't also want more jobs. Which one is it? Y'all want to get paid more, mm. or do you want more people working here? But it can't be both. It can't be both. Like not 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 at a pace that you're gonna feel comfortable with, right? Okay. So they fought very hard to get their split of the basketball related income, which is how how this money gets divided, basically. To get it up, it's still very low. I don't know, I think it's like 25% or something like that. But that's a huge improvement over where it was. And they're working on that. But, like, basically the way money gets distributed in sports leagues that are cap-governed mm-hmm. is we have our sport-related income. We agree on it. We agree on whatever the split is. They take that split. So in the case of the NBA, for instance, 50%. You take the 50% of all the 
money they made off of tickets, off of jersey sales, off of concessions, park, and all that stuff. Split it in half, divided by 30. That's your salary cap. Mm -hmm. That's how we got to where we get to, right? Same thing in the NFL, whatever that split is, right? The WNBA, their split isn't great. It's not a 50-50 split. It's lower. Mm -hmm. So basically, if we take a quarter, 25%, take that money, divide it over however many WNBA teams, boom, that's that's your salary cap. That's the amount of money they're spending on players total. Mm. So the moment you say, we need more people in here, you say, all right, so we're taking this one slice, this one pizza pie, and we're cutting it even smaller because more people are coming in and wanting a slice. Mm. Which one do you want? Yeah. No, it's tough, and you're right. I I played in in the CFL before I went to the NFL, and that was also a very veteran league um, because it takes a while to learn the game, and then also the veterans make uh, just as much as the rookies, right? And honestly, it's like, why would we pay – for a younger, more inexperienced player yeah. when this person knows the game. And I think that's the same problem the WNBA yep. have. So you got to pay the rookies, pay the young people like the NFL did, and then it's going to wash the vets out, which isn't great for old guys like me, right. but it's the reality. And that's and again, if you think about what a, a players association does, it's bargaining on behalf of the people who are here right now. Yeah. They don't care about them young MFers over there yeah, like in right. college making their NIL money. I'm here for the people who are like the votes, the people who are voting on the, the rank and file are right now. So that's a, that's a great point. I want to get into where other evolution in professional sports leagues are going. All right, speaking of evolution of sports leagues, I'm going to tell you where I think the NFL and the NBA are going. This might be in 100 years. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's going to sound crazy. Okay. But what's going to happen is someone's going to save this audio. They're going to play it. They're going to play it 100 on years whatever, from now. Whatever the Twitter version is 100 years from now and be like, damn, this dude was a philosopher. <laughs> we'll start with the NBA. The NBA will be a co ed basketball league. I ain't gonna have it's going to be rosters of both women and men. In the four quarters, quarter one will be four. Oh, like women and one man like the co- on the court? Like co-ed league rules? <laughs> quarter two will be three men, two women. Quarter four will be four men, one women. And then the last one will be three women and two men. And they'll have to make substitutions based on that quota. Right. And the league will merge. This is going to be when basketball is at its biggest, it's going to be the biggest sport in America. I don't see it. All right. Let me, well, let me hear what the NFL. The thing about being a visionary, I mean, is that no one else typically yeah. sees it, you know? <laughs> this is, uh, I'm okay with living that reality. You're going to start wearing turtlenecks now? Like, you know I'm what I'm visionary. saying? <laughs> I'm a visionary. Here's the NFL. Are you ready for what the future is going to look I'm, like? I'm, I'm giving you a glimpse. I can't wait. I want right. to hear this one. Yeah. The NFL will be controlled by gamers. Gamers will be NFL players. Here's how it's going to work. I'm looking at the producer, Carl. You knew about this. Here's how it's going to work. Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. The people on the field will be robots. Okay? They will be controlled by the esports slash Madden players that will probably be in virtual reality. So it's like what they'll see in their virtual reality headset will be like the perspective of a player. And what they do and how they maneuver and control the bot will be what happens on the field. And so you'll see the big hits, you'll see the touchdowns, you'll see everything play out with robots, but it's being controlled in a safe environment by gamers. How's that different from just gaming right now? Like, don't we already have that? Because there's not the equivalent of like watching it actually play out on the field. Yes, there is. I watched it on the screen. No, I, that's, I just saw... that's, that's digital, man. People want to see. You yeah. can't see the hits that way. 
<laughs> I can't go into a stadium and watch the robots really get down. Like all those little so those you, dog robots that you see that are jumping yeah, and it's like man. they're just gonna. The what you're seeing now is the worst that those robots are ever gonna be. I'm gonna tell you one thing. I saw this dude do the twist. Like the the that same company <laughs> that does the dog robots. They yes. made one look like it looks like a dude with a backpack on. Right? Uh huh. And they started doing chubby checker the twist. What do you think? In a hundred years, they're gonna be taking like ruling us, man. Like they're I don't gonna even, be hitting. There won't be like <laughs> they're gonna be hitting such a mean Dougie. <laughs> in a hundred years, it's gonna make your head spin. Just think about just dancing in general. Dancing in the 1940s versus dancing now. Everybody can do it, man. It just takes time, bro. That's where the NFL and NBA are going. And again, I'm okay with being the visionary. I'm okay with yeah. seeing it before everybody else sees it. This 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 reminds me of a time I was I was on Sports Nation with Marcellus Wiley, and we were talking about like there's some some scandal in baseball happened, and Marcellus says like, see, this is why I have always talked about this as the only solution. And me and Michelle Beadle look at each other like, what is he talking about? Because he never talks about baseball. And then Marcellus looks dead in the camera and says, lasers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what his point was after that. Like, lasers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, segregation. No, no. <laughs> like, they, they had it right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well be at that point. He's talking about lasers, man. He's talking about robots on a field? What? Robots on a field. I'm telling you, man, just be ready. Just grab your jersey. Okay, so why Okay, so why wouldn't that be the fate of the NBA as well? Why do you have the NBA still having humans, but like the NFL, it's like, no, nah, we're going to just use robots. You've, you've learned about the Romans, right? Yes. And it was entertainment. Yes. To watch, to put the human in there. And the gladiators. To yeah. battle with the tigers. Yeah, yeah, Everybody showed up. They filled up the Coliseum. Yep. At some point, they were like, oh, man, this is a, I don't know if we should be having people fight tigers, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is a safe. Hey, <laughs> NFL is a contact sport. I think it's going to be, it's going to be 200 years from now, which is fine. But that's what it's going to, that's going to be, that's what's going to be what happens. Hey, Romulus. I don't know about this whole gladiator <laughs> thing, man. Like, what? Well, what's wrong? People love it. Like, like oh, yeah. look, you see the ticket numbers, yeah. man. It's like, I don't we know. We sell man. this joint out every week. People are talking. People, are, <laughs> people, people have takes. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Uh, it, there's another thing that you mentioned on this show um, about NFL quarterbacks, black NFL quarterbacks yeah. specifically, and their quest to be mediocre. Mediocre. Yeah. That's that was the uh, measurement of success of whether the black quarterback has arrived. It's not the Lamar Jackson, highest paid mm-hmm. player and unanimous MVP. It's not the Patrick yeah. Mahomes, who's already a Hall of Famer and he's 17 years old. Yeah. It's not Jalen Hurts, nope. who is the second highest paid player in the NFL, and it's not the C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, yeah. Anthony Richardson, who were the three top quarterback black quarterbacks drafted in this draft and quarterbacks overall. But I will say that we finally arrived. You know why? What is that? Josh Johnson has signed there you go. another contract with the Baltimore Ravens. And I won't call Josh Johnson mediocre, but Josh Johnson is our perennial black yeah. backup. He is the black Josh McCown. Man. Um, who Hold I've also torch. played with. Let me, let me, let me, let me read you the teams that Josh Johnson has played for since I believe it was 2000 and Eight, I think his career do, began. Do we have enough time in this segment? Yeah, we do. We have, <laughs> so, it's it's going to be quick. I'll read them fast. Right. Buccaneers, 49ers, Sacramento Mountain Cats of the UFL. Yeah. Uh, Browns, Bengals, 49ers, Bengals again. Yep. Jets, Colts, Bills, Ravens, Giants, Texans, Raiders, Washington, oh, San Diego Fleet of the American Alliance Football League, uh, the Detroit Lions, Los Angeles Wildcats of the XFL, and then the 49ers, Jets, Ravens, Broncos, 49ers again, and now Ravens again.
first of all, shout out to Repeat Business. Shout out to running it back. Yeah, man. Like, remember when we did that? That was good, man. That was good. Why did we ever stop? Five stars on Google, run it back again. <laughs> hey, man, we liked you the last time we, we took this. So I'm hoping the only thing that needs to happen now is when Josh Johnson retires. He'll, he'll, he's a front runner for the former uh, black quarterback to be a head coach. Oh Clearly. yeah, it gotta be. Gotta be right. You know, like first of all, you play. You know how it is. If you play that many teams, you just know that many more people everywhere around the league. Like he walks into an NFL stadium, and he's dapping up everybody, everybody. Like because he knows janitors, yeah, everybody. Because like, dude, that's a whole trick to being like a, a great journeyman. I think like you have to be like Mister Personality. You right? have to because that's why people. That's why you get repeat business. Right? Everybody gravitates towards you. You, yeah. you identify with everybody in the locker room. You. You're basically a coach. You hang out more with the coaches yep. than you do the players. You become the eyes and ears there. My favorite Josh Johnson story, he was uh, – Joe Thomas tells his story for the Browns. Joe Thomas had played with like 20 quarterbacks, right, Cleveland. Right. And, and like the jersey, that was like all Joe Thomas protecting all those guys. And they had three quarterbacks go down in a single game. I think they had four in the roster. Josh Johnson had just signed on a Saturday. <laughs> and he got there like the day of the game, and he dressed. And so in the fourth quarter after three quarterbacks got hurt, he comes to the huddle. And he's like, all right, guys, look, he's looking at his wristband. Yeah. And Joe was like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm Josh Johnson. He's like, Joe Thomas, nice <laughs> yeah, to meet you. No way. All right, let's get into the play. And that's, God, how, damn, man. that's how they met. That's, I mean, like, it's a funny story, except for the fact where it's like there's murder about to happen here. <laughs> like, they're tr- they're coming to kill you, buddy. Like, damn, that's that's got that's got to be the most stressful situation. Yes. To easily. be the backup 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 quarterback who doesn't know a single person or a play like to go out here and like, again, as organized murder is standing on the other side of this line, like I can't, what, like what could be more stressful than that? Organized murder is a good way to, to, to put <laughs> yeah. uh, some of the, some of the games we played in Cleveland. It was tough. It was tough on us. So Jim Brown, speaking of Cleveland has passed away legend, obviously, yeah. honestly, he has a claim probably for one of the, the best athlete in history. He, as mm-hmm. old-time players, we talked about this earlier, he's a guy whose athletic ability spans across any generation or era. Yep. Um, I met Jim Brown a couple of times, obviously, playing for Cleveland. And I, the first thing I thought was, like, man, this dude's neck is so stiff. Like, you could tell he took a beating because he oh, was like, he, I mean, he had and to he have, quit early. That's that's what that's one of the ones that was like, yo, he stopped his career short. And back know? then, like, you know, it was, it was a, obviously a different game. The game is, like, way, way safer now than it was back right. when Jim Brown played. But yeah, I mean, he had to have less than 100 degrees of vision. Like it was, Damn. it was that stiff. And I remember thinking, like, man, I wonder. And now, like, my neck is getting stiff. It's what oh, I think about all man. the time. But Jim Brown was a great dude. We had incredible conversations. There's been a lot of like controversial right. opinions on him. Do you have a take there? What is your, what is your yeah, thought? I mean, like, here's the thing: like, you can't ignore the negative stuff that he's done because he's like, like that's a happen. It's mm-hmm. not like rumored or conjecture. Happen at the same time. You know, I'm in a group chat and someone shared the the New York Times alert when it happened. Mm-hmm. And it was like Jim Brown, you know, civil rights uh, icon, NFL great, uh, dies. Also, domestic violence. I'm like, guys, like, it doesn't, right. have, to, it doesn't have to be in the headline. I get it. Like, yeah, of I'm course. not saying whitewash it, erase it, like, sweep it under the rug. But, like, it doesn't have to be in the headline, man. Right. Like. Like the guy just died and he's done things that were like incredible. And by the way, again, like him walking away from the game was tied in part to like, yeah, I don't have to take this shit from right from basically white people who don't value me mm. or who just see me as a commodity or whatever. So 
beyond that, obviously, one of the early, if not one of the first, like to go from the field to Hollywood, right? Yeah, like the idea, yeah. the thing that's very commonplace now, we see like everyone kind of crossing over. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't a thing back then. And he did that. But like uh, the civil rights stuff is is huge. Like it's not it's not just like, hey, man, he picketed one time. Right. Like nah. this dude was like in it deep. Like he was on the forefront. Oh, exa- he was on the front yeah. lines. He yeah, was- man. Yeah, original more than an athlete, right? Absolutely, right? Yeah. Like, So you have to, like, recognize that part mm-hmm. and acknowledge the other stuff, but you right. can't put it all together. And I'm, I, look, domestic violence is awful. Of course. And I'm not here to defend him for what he did, but I'm just saying, like, hey, man, like, this dude did some shit, man. Yeah. Like, like, he did some shit. Right. Like, let's, can we take a moment, to take a beat to just kind of, Acknowledge that. Acknowledge as well. that before we say like all the other stuff. It's a different time. It's a it's a, a completely different time in sports. It's a completely different time in society and how things get remembered and talked about. And, and, and to your point, it's very nuanced. Speaking of a different time, Michael Parsons. Uh, he's been pulling up to NBA games wearing a different team's jersey every time. Nobody has any idea who the hell this dude's favorite team is. I don't. I don't know if he knows. Wait, um, wearing it over a button-up, man. I'm like, I, I, it's just a bunch of things. Again, I don't know if he's man. a pioneer or if he's a lunatic, but I do think it it plays to today's fan. I think today's fan, where it was like sacrilegious to yeah. be a, a a fickle fan, you know, or you jump bandwagon yeah. to the next. I think today they're like, yo, we going with the winners, baby. Like, well, it's you know what it is. It's it's gambling and fantasy have made it so that people aren't fans of teams anymore. They're they're fans of players or yes. things that are happening, right? Having said that, bro, at least, like, you knew what you were doing when you left the house. You knew where you were going. Like, why why wear a button-up shirt and I'm wearing the jersey over? Like, one of those Wall Street bros <laughs> that came in after work and was like, yeah, I want to show people I like You care about too. the fashion. You don't even care that he's wearing different jerseys. Nah, You're man. just like, yo, put, the, put it together better. It. I'm going to tell you why, man. I learned this a long time ago. When you are a fan of a sport, you say, I love you know, football, right? I love football. I'm a big football fan. Why wouldn't I want to watch someone do it at the highest level? Like, it's so weird. Like, when you think about it, it's, it's so dumb to say, because I'm from, you know, pick a backwater town, right? Charlotte. Like, yeah, like, oh, I, I've got to watch the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I watch, like, the, the Chiefs all the time? Like, <laughs> they're doing this thing that I like Better. at the highest level possible. Like, no, no, because of the geography, I have to watch someone doing it poorly. So that's that's where I think the evolution is happening because the fans of today don't have the ties to their teams like they used to, and that's something we're going to dive into more. So we talked about what we thought the future of uh, sports fandom is. Nah, and, you and talked about it. Yeah. I just sat here and listened to your <laughs> cockamamie. No, that, okay. So <laughs> Micah Parsons is today's sports fan. You said it was about players, not about teams. Because now kids, yeah. they no longer have connections to these teams mm-hmm. the way that fans of yesteryear did. So, for example, in Charlotte, Am I a Hornets fan? I don't know. Why are they called the Hornets? Why are the Lakers called the Lakers? There was a time in history where people knew that answer, and it right. meant something to them, and it's no longer there. So here is my new crazy future Oh, here we go, take. man. You got three in one show. They, they, they just come off the top, man. It's like <laughs> urine, man. I, I just, I got them every day. There's no, re- <laughs> there's no point in me holding them in. They're going to keep coming. Um, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh-huh would be worth more to Michael Jordan 
if their team name was called the Charlotte Jumpmen. Okay, so the floor is yours. So this this is actually okay. Now you're now, getting it. Now okay. you're on to something. Now so, you see my genius. There, there's an urban legend in the NBA that when the Grizzlies moved from Vancouver to Memphis, mm-hmm. they wanted to change their name to the Memphis Express. Because Why? Because of, of FedEx. Mm. They thought like, and so they said I what, got they, another take for they, you. They submitted it, and they said within 15 minutes of Memphis submitting it. Atlanta submitted they want to change it in Atlanta Coca-Cola. Like indicating mm. that like there there was a standing offer yes. from Coca-Cola. Hey, whenever they change the rules to allow you to just to name yourself the naming rights to the actual team, we're here and we'll pay. Right? And the league shut that down. Now, I don't know if that that's that story is even real. You know why? Here's what's scary. Now, I feel like the the Charlotte Jumpmen should be different because Jordan was a player. He is basketball. The Jumpmen means more than just the sneaker. I think it resonates with fans more than the Hornets or any random thing. Here's what's scary and why they would never let the brands, which again, in 100 years when the NFL is robots yeah. and the M- NBA is co-ed, is co-ed <laughs> they're going to be corporations yep. that are those teams. It's not going to be Charlotte anything. It's going to be the Google blanks, the bank of America, the meta banks <laughs> or the, um, the Apple blanks. Yeah. Like, those are the only people with the amount of money to be able to compete with the amount of money the billionaire owners have. The Apple Eye Basketball. It's not going to be. <laughs> it's not going to be regional. It's going to be like, yeah, you know, no. the bite dance, so and sos of yeah. China. But Jumpman is a basketball thing. I got it like it is it when is. LeBron gets the Las Vegas Kings and he gets Sacramento to change their name. LeBron is probably the eleventh, probably ten to fifteen. What biggest NBA franchise? Oh, from fandom. Um, there are mm, there are more LeBron fans. I would say I than would, Hornets fans. Yes, there are more LeBron I, fans than. I would say that eleventh might be a little too low. There I you think, go. I think he might even be higher on that list. Like there if you, you go. If you, if you took fandom, like, like let's do this. Count the ones that are bigger than LeBron. Lakers, Lakers Knicks. Knicks. Celtics. Uh, I, I Celtics, Celtics, yep. in there. Celtics. Bulls? I don't know, man. You don't know? I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Like, I go around this country a lot. I travel all the time. I'll see a Lakers hat. I'll see, like, a Knicks t-shirt. Or, like, I don't see too much Bulls stuff. Yeah. And, and that's, Not without NBA that's, on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, not, not without Michael Jordan, which, again, so then we can talk about, like, what level franchise is Michael Jordan. Not the Hornets, but Michael Jordan himself. Yeah, that's, like and that's the, what I mean. The like Charlotte he, Michael Jordan. They yeah. are worth more. They have bigger fans if they are called the Jumpmen, and it is a a, a nod to, there, to Michael Jordan of himself. Now, there are also is an opposite thing, which is saying that, like, his shadow casts so long over the franchise. Like, it can never. It's like, why is it no one can ever sign to Jumpman, the sneaker, and have their own legacies? Because you're literally wearing someone else's name. You'll yeah. never be Michael Jordan. So Russell Westbrook. Uh, Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, all these guys, Carmelo Anthony, who we talked about earlier, they all wore the Jumpman. They all got their own signature shoe, but it's like it never not quite, really. No, you don't. It, you're you're still you're still number two, right? Like at best. Whereas mm-hmm. when you wear Nike, like you can create your own lane at some point because it's not a, a specific person. It's Jumpman is tied so closely to Michael. That like I think you can apply that brand to things, uh-huh. so I can sell a Jumpman shirt 
Jumpman sneakers, Jumpman backpack, but I can't apply it to people because at the end of the day, the people have to have their own their own thing. Otherwise, it's just you're, you you it gets washed away. I can't knock it. I can't knock but it. That's, that's the best cockamamie idea you had today. Thank you. Thank so. you. I got plenty of them. Don't worry. I <laughs> mean, strap in. There's more on the way. Uh, last thing we'll talk about. This is the Journeyman podcast. So we had to bring this up. DeMar DeRozan, Paul George were on his podcast, mm-hmm. um, Podcast P. They said there's a lot of sorry NBA players. I thought that was an interesting take. Yeah. Yeah. What was your, what was your, what was your feedback there? Because as a journeyman, I would imagine that. I would be in that list of people that they would call sorry if you said the same thing about the NFL. I'm not offended by it at all. Them checks still clear, as my man Amin Al Hassan says. Yes, sir. Uh, but give me your, your take on what you thought about that. I think everyone has to always keep in mind like the context, right? Like the context is if you're Paul George, you are better than Yes. I'll, like compared to n- you, they're sorry. 90% of the league, right? So to to him, yeah. And DeMar DeRozan, again, he's also an elite player. So like to them, there are a lot of guys that aren't good. Now, I don't think they're talking about rotation guys. I don't think they're talking about guys. Maybe they are. I don't know. Let me let me take that back. Maybe they are <laughs> talking about guys who are rotation guys in this league. But, again, it's always from the vantage point of – so, for example, would you say Sha- Shaq is rich? Um, let me get back to it. Of course he's rich. Right. Yeah. Shaq's rich, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that – Jeff Bezos thinks Shaq is rich, mm. right? Like this, Everybody's broke to somebody. Chris Rock had that bit where he's like, "If uh, he didn't say Jeff Bezos, but it was Bill Gates. If Bill Gates woke <laughs> up one day with Shaq's money, <laughs> he killed, he's he like, oh, my up, God, yeah. like, what happened? What went wrong with my life? Right. Right? right. Whereas with us, we're like, oh, my God, that's the greatest blessing ever. So it's all relative. There you go. I like that. That's a great take. Everybody is sorry to somebody. Yeah. And that's it for this week's Journeyman, brought to you by the good people at the DraftKings Network and Meadowlark Media. Shout out to them. Shout out to my guy, Amin El Hassan, as always. And shout out to you guys. We will see you next week. Make sure you journey back. And until then, teach me how to dougie.